Welcome to episode 54 of the Lace Em Up podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. I'm Brett Dubuff. And uh, pretty much every single thing we had planned in order, it looked locked and loaded. And then we got some breaking news late Sunday. We'll expand on that. Uh, also, Brent Burns gets paid. Um, still have more injuries to report. We do have some good news. And in this segment of Are They For Real?, we're going to talk about uh, a team that was streaking uh, at the start of the week and uh, a team that most people uh, think are going to be a playoff threat this year, but are they going to be a Stanley Cup contender? We'll discuss. Uh, also, Garrett Sparks suspended indefinitely by the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, we'll get into that story as well. But first, shout out to the Ottawa Red Blacks, your 2016 Grey Cup champions for their first time in team history and in just their third year of existence in the CFL, they've been to two straight great cups. They won their first on uh, Sunday night. Uh, this is a city that has been starving for a title since 1976 when they had a football team called the Ottawa Rough Riders. Uh, the Rough Riders left. Then they became the Ottawa Renegades. And then they left. There were several ownership struggles. Uh, and on top of that, their teams were terrible. Uh, so for a team that finished the regular season below 500, taking on a team that was 15, two and one heavily favored to win it all. And they pull off an overtime victory. It's absolutely incredible. And they did it. Thanks to Henry Burris, a quarterback who won Grey cup MVP at the young age of 41. Uh, some might think it's his last game. Uh, right now he doesn't care and neither do the rest of us because we finally have ourselves a champion in the city of Ottawa. And, uh, it's been a, it's been a year of curses being broken. Of course, we all know Cleveland finally won a championship. The Chicago Cubs finally won a championship and now an Ottawa sports team, um, and, uh, outside of the big four sports, but we call the CFL a big four sport over here in Canada. Uh, they finally have a championship, and uh, the parade on Tuesday is going to be massive. And uh, just a quick shout-out to the Ottawa Red Blacks for a job well done. Also, some shout-outs, of course. We do this every week. Uh, this week, to all the to all those who wore number 54 in their NHL careers, again, this list, they uh, most of these guys, they wore it briefly. Uh, Danny Breer, Brendan Dubinsky, Mikhail Grabowski, um, Sean Pronger, brother of Chris Pronger, uh, Teddy Purcell in his first stint with Los Angeles, Bobby Ryan, Ben Scribbins, Hanu Toivonen, Cam Fowler in 2011. But probably the most frequent are uh, Adam McQuaid and Paul Ranger. They uh, wore it for multiple seasons. Uh, so anyways, to all of them and to all the others who wore number 54 in the NHL, this podcast is for you. It's time to lace them up. Here's Brett and Steve. Alright, uh, so I guess uh, the most shocking news this week um, happened actually. So we, uh, I guess full disclosure, well I mean I guess if you haven't noticed already, um, we decided to record on uh, Monday instead of usually on Sunday. 
um, and it's usually around the afternoon. Um, and, uh, so this news broke, uh, Sunday night. So, uh, luckily we didn't, uh, we missed, um, we didn't miss too much, but, uh, this breaking news happened on Sunday night. Uh, Florida, the Florida Panthers have decided to fire Gerard Gallant, um, and his assistant, um, coach right now. I'm blanking on the name. Mike Kelly. Mike Kelly. Um, I, um, I did some math and it's so, uh, Gerard Gallant was, um, with the Panthers, he was 96, 65 and 25 for two and a fourth, uh, two and a quarter seasons, basically. Um, so, um, I assume, yeah, exactly. Uh, well, I wasn't sure exactly, like, you know, I mean, I guess 20 games is around a quarter. Um, but, um, yeah, so I wasn't sure, um, how to, um, approach, I guess we can approach this in a couple ways, but, um, yeah, let's first, let's start off with, uh, Mark Rowe is going to be the, he was a GM and now he's their interim coach. He, on January of 2016, he was their, uh, he was their AHL coach. Um, and then I guess in like June, um, I kind of forgot about this, but Dale Talon was moved to a hockey of operations and Mark, uh, Tom Rowe, or whatever his name is, Rowe, yeah, Tom Rowe, you're right. Tom Rowe was uh, named uh, the the general manager in, like, June. Um, and then uh, now he's, uh, he's a general manager slash coach um, for the NHL. Um, yeah, first-year GM slash coach at that. Yeah, first-year coach um, from that. And, 20 um, games of experience, and he's running the whole show now. Yeah, it should be interesting from that perspective. I, I don't think he'll be the he'll be the coach long term, but um that should be interesting that he's a general manager and a coach. Um also um Oh well, yeah, so I mean I can get your opinion on this beforehand, but this yeah. is a little it's a little strange too because it's not like the Panthers were that bad this season. Yeah, sure they're a little disappointing, but like they're still above five hundred. Um, I have their record over here, but uh, you can, uh, I guess you can talk about your thoughts here. It's all about the curse of the Jack Adams Award. Uh, even though he didn't win it, <laughs> I was last about to year say he didn't win. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this uh, thing called the Base God Curse. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the curse of the Jack Adams. It's very much alive, and uh, the Base God Curse. It's it's a basketball, a thing, little B, a sports right. thing. Yeah, and if you get his wrong side, he puts a curse on you. Uh, the the rec- the records show um, you, you probably you probably shouldn't get it mad um, the Jack Adams curse um, it's it's kind of this myth um, that you know once you win the Jack Adams you're not maybe you're not the same coach and in a couple of years yep. bye bye Patrick uh, Watt the, the, uh, the guy from Cal Calgary yeah Bob Hartley yeah Bob Hartley. a year after he won it he got canned yep Patrick Waugh. Um, there's another guy. Oh, he left, but yes. There's another um, guy, too, in this Jack Adams thing, but yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Dan Bilesma in 2010, 2011. But Galantin and Jack at him, so <laughs> it's no, not... No, but he was, he was nominated last year. I mean, it's still... It's nominated like, last year. Uh, and Paul McLean, 2012-2013. Oh, yeah, Paul McLean, that's another one. Later, he was gone, too. Uh, so, yeah, the track record is, is pretty bad for that. Um, I guess... The thing that kind of irritates me a little bit about this is who would have expected Gerard Gallant would be the first NHL coach out of a job this year. This is the first coaching casualty, which is astonishing. And, again, he didn't win the award last year. He was nominated. He got his contract extended by the team that same year. And when you take a team that was 29-45-8 when you arrived to a team that goes 38-29-15, to a division-winning team that goes 47-26-9, you deserve some added trust. Yep. But when the ownership goes all out, gives you more pieces to work with, you lose Huberto, you go 11-10-1 in 22 games, and then he gets canned. Yeah. Have you pulled the trigger far too early? Yes, I think you have. I think they had, um, like, I don't know, like, he has proved that he's a good coach, but... From the reports that I've been hearing are according to Elliot Friedman that like there's more reports that there were there was just uh, differences between Gallant and the you know upper management. Um, it you know didn't have much to do with performance, but at the same time, if you have a guy like the record that I just mentioned, and you have um, you know you you just mentioned that Huberdo has been injured. Duke said you just got back. It's not hey, like Huberto, he coached in junior too. Yeah. And it's not like um but but the point still remains it's like you, you know you're you're still you're 11 10 and 1. You can uh, I mean I know the Atlantic Division is now tough all of a sudden but it's not like you can't um you know come back from that. Um so I mean I don't know. I thought it was a strange move. I'm still Kind of confused by it. Another piece of the story was that so they played. Um, they played. I guess they played in Carolina yesterday. Yeah, they, they were up two nothing in the first. Then yeah. three second period goals by Carolina, and the Hurricanes went on to win three two. Exactly. Well, we'll talk about Carolina in a bit, but um, yeah. but uh, the uh, but like the uh, they left uh, Gallant out. They didn't uh, pick him up in the plane they just left him there in Carolina um which I thought was a little cold but um or very cold um so but like yeah I don't don't get this move um honestly but um yeah as you said that you're it's like shocking that this was the first coach fired because you would think it would probably be Capuano or maybe uh Willie Desjardins um out in Vancouver but um. Yeah, this is a strange move, though. I mean, I'll be curious to see what's going on, but um, or like what's going to happen in the next coming days for them. Yeah. But um, well, Mike Harrington of the Buffalo News, he took it one step further. He claimed that something was very fishy. He tweeted, "Seems awfully intentional. Blown lead, bad loss on the road, no local media present. Right. Let's go and turf the coach right now." Yeah. I, yeah, that's strange. I, I can't wrap my head around that. If if that's true, I don't I don't know if it is. I hope it's not. 
But that, if that is true, that is one cruel way to fire a coach right. when no one's looking. And I hear he was actually doing his post-media pressers, and then he was waiting for a cab. Yeah. Right, yeah. I mentioned an Elliot Friedman tweet over here, um, but here was the official one. So Gallant was given extension last season, but this year he and front office disagreed on direction of the team things brewing behind the scenes. So um, I guess there's more than meets the eye uh, um, here. But yeah, that is a good point. It's like, um, you know, maybe this this was coming along already. Well, um, it was a little bit you know. odd when I, I also saw a tweet from Sportsnet's Darren Millard as saying, you know, when the media firestorm was brewing for about an hour, no team statement was out. Right. That is odd, and too. And on top of that, um, Doug McLean, who is an avid Florida uh, avid Florida Panthers lover, he's been, he's been a fan of the team for over 20 years, also coached the team, he said this move killed it for him. Yeah. And called it an absolute joke. On yeah, well, I, I believe that. <laughs> um, but um, apparently, according to Brian Lawton, there were rumors this summer that Dragoland would be fired this year by December. Mark that one down, it's true. I guess this is just mostly just going to show that, like, because I, I guess the management that went away from Dale Talon, um, you know, they went into a different direction. So Gallant was Talon's guy, and they just wanted um, another guy in place for that, but they can't, like, reasonably fire him. Um, because, you know, he was doing well. So, and, and you know um, what else is unfortunate for Gerard Gallant? The Eastern Conference is stronger than it was last year. In fact, yep. I would argue it's probably the strongest I've seen it in years. Yep. And that certainly hasn't helped his cause. And, and now it begs the question, where are you going to find someone that's better than Gerard Gallant? Patrick Waugh? Bob Hartley? <laughs> Who's going to do a better job with this team? Yeah, this move soiled everything they have done. Every single off-season transaction was made to make this team better. They had the perfect coach to get this team where they needed to go. They pulled the plug way too soon. And now they're going to have to find somebody that's not only a decent coach. They need a good, solid coach. And yeah. there aren't too many of them around right now. So I, I really think the Florida Panthers blew it. Yeah, speaking of which, you just mentioned that Eastern Conference is stronger than ever. In the t I, I was reading this statistic, and I was just trying to find it. Um, but um, seven of the top ten teams are from the Eastern Conference. Including the Sens, who, Including as we're talking, Sens. are number yeah. five. They're number yeah. five, yeah. Uh, yeah, so Montreal, Rangers, uh, Pittsburgh, Ottawa... Uh, Capitals, Lightning, Colum and Columbus. Um, so, uh, which is, you know, compared to the past years, uh, you know, it was, al it was always all always Western all Conference. Always all the West, yeah. And now Eastern Conference is taking over. Um, Alright, I guess we can get going on the next thing. Pull of the week. Um, so, Las Vegas had uh, announced their team name, finally. Um, and logo on when was it Wednesday? Yeah, it was Wednesday. Um, uh, yeah, at Tuesday actually. Tuesday. Was, was it? Oh, I thought it was Wednesday. Yeah. Oh, right, right, right. yeah. It was, you're right. It's Wednesday. 
um, and um, and uh, can we all agree that the logo is badass? Can we yeah, all I like I like the logo. Well, that's what the 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 poll of the week was. So the question was, uh, what do you think of the Vegas Golden Knights? Um, I so we had four options: love the name and logo, hate the name and logo, love name, hate logo, love logo, hate name. Um, and it looks like there was a tie between hate the name and logo and love logo, hate the name. I actually don't mind the name. Um, did I say the name? It's Vegas Golden Knights. Vegas I guess. Golden Knights is the name, which sounds yeah. a little bit better than the Las Vegas Golden Knights. It has a better ring. To yeah, it. I agree with that. And I, I guess they didn't. I guess they just dropped the loss. We didn't realize that they were going to do that. But um, yeah, so they're the Vegas Golden Knights. Um, yeah, I, I like the logo too. Um, yeah, and we also had a, a comment saying, I'm bitter because I'm from Washington State and wish it was Seattle instead, um, with a sigh emoji. Um, so, um, there's another comment there, but, um, yeah, I don't, I don't really hate the name and logo. I feel like people are gonna, it's like one of those things that's gonna grow on people. You oh know, yeah, like but, the Ottawa Red Blacks over here. Like there was a, there was like seriously, that's what we're gonna call our yeah, team name. It's still a strange name. They're Great Cup <laughs> champions now. They don't care. Right. They, they don't care. Um. What? But I will say this about the team: they need to have a great jersey to go with a great logo. If the jersey isn't great, that's a slight turnoff for me. So they right. need a good jersey design. They have a jersey design in place. They're not going to release it until June ahead of the draft, but I think you need a good jersey to go with a logo like that. The logo, I really love. But yeah. you need a good jersey to go with it. Yeah, you're right. We haven't seen what the jersey looks like. I, I like the gold and like black scheme they have there, though. Yeah. So that could that could work well nicely, but um, we'll see. Um, but yeah, um, I guess they have a chance to get a coach, though, with Galant out. Now, but yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, that does, that just fell right in their laps, didn't right. it? Although, um, yeah, I was thinking about this. Like, Lance gonna find a job very, very soon. Oh yeah. Um, so. I was wondering if maybe like the Islanders just fired Capuano quickly, just so they can <laughs> get a lot. Um, we'll see though. Maybe they will by the end of this podcast. Yeah, yeah maybe they will. Like right now, uh, they would be a good fit though. you would be a good fit. Um. I think, I think you I think you do very well. Uh, speaking of the team itself, fully confirmed in an interview with Sportsnet that the plan is to speed up the expansion fee payments so that GM George McVie can attend the GM meetings in March. And he says it's important for the GM to be active in those meetings, and he's right. Because if you hear about a player come, who could become trade bait or a player that's eager to leave a team, you need to know who might be available and you need to know what teams want in return. Because just because you're an expansion franchise – you're not expected to win everything in the first year of your existence. Right. It does not mean you can't be competitive. And when you see a list of names that could be available in the upcoming expansion draft, this team could be very good very fast. And, the, and the best way to get what you want is getting good assets, making deals to improve your lineup, and making your guys better. You can have the best coach in the league working for you, but you can only do so much with the talent that he has. So 
it's a wise move to put George McPhee into those GM meetings. Yeah. So we'll see how those go. Um, and speaking of which, they actually could win the lottery this year um, for some reason. So, like, they could actually get Nolan Patrick if they um, are lucky enough. Um, uh, it's good to live in Las Vegas. Like, like, think about that. Like, a team that hasn't played could get the number one yeah. overall pick. <laughs> like That would be a real ripoff to a team that's probably just like, oh, well, at least we'll get Nolan Patrick. Right, but and, they're and not. Then, yeah. then you swoop in and take it just like, what is this? Yeah. This wasn't in the rule book. Exactly. Um, we're going for, uh, so for our Are They For Real segment, um, we're going with, uh, kind of a team that's, we don't even know what to think of them yet, because, um, they, uh, they had a five-game winning streak, well, first off, let me just say, they're, uh, Carolina, they're the Carolina Hurricanes, um, this week, uh, Lack got injured, uh, Lack got injured, and, uh, so Cam Ward is now their go-to starting goalie for a bit, um, and they went on this five-game winning streak where they beat a lot of tough teams like Washington, San Jose, and Montreal. Um, and then they lost to Montreal again on uh, th- on Thanksgiving and then to your Ottawa Senators. But both were two-to-one scores. Yeah, both were two-to-one scores. They won. Uh, they beat Florida, as we just mentioned, three-to-two with uh, three unanswered goals in the second. Um but yeah, so the Carolina Hurricanes are actually not doing so badly. However, they're nine eight and four. They're seventh in the Metropolitan Division. Um, they're nineteenth uh, in goals per game, eighteenth in goals against. Uh, they do have a good pe- penalty kill. They're first in that. Um, so it's like they're sneaky good, but they're also you know <laughs> in a tough division right now because they're still behind a lot of teams um so the rangers pittsburgh washington columbus new jersey and philadelphia are all ahead of them in the in the division i don't expect them to be like up to the rangers pittsburgh or washington level but um they should be close to like columbus now but um they aren't so they have uh, 22 points um are they for real uh, 14 games decided by a goal, six of their last seven decided by a goal. Prior to Sunday, they had three in a row decided by a two-to-one score. And only three games were decided by three goals or, or more in the month of November prior to Sunday. Uh, and here's here's just how tight the league is right now. Heading into Sunday, the Hurricanes were ranked 27th. They're now ranked 22nd in a 30-team league. Uh, they had 20 points. They now have 22 Pittsburgh ranked fourth overall. They had 29. That's a difference of seven points separating 22nd Carolina from number fourth ranked Pittsburgh. That's how tight this league is. And you're right. Their special teams have been huge, uh, especially given they're slightly above 500 record through 21 games. Um, Power play was ranked 12th in the NHL heading into Sunday, just under 20%. Penalty kill, as you said, best in the league. Give up 27 shots on average per game, third lowest in the league. Also have the second-best face-off rating in the NHL before Sunday's game, 52.7%. They are very disciplined, but they're 0-4 in overtime-slash-shootout scenarios. So uh, 
they 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 need to do better when when they get into overtime. But if they're winning games in regulation, that's good. Uh, they're also in the bottom five when it comes to scoring goals in the final 20 minutes. So they need to improve on finishing games. Uh, Jeff Skinner and Victor Rask have been nearing a point a game pace so far this year. Skinner, not surprised. Victor Rask is a little bit surprising, so that's good for him. Yeah, he was good uh, last season, but yeah, this is kind of a little different. Uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a bit of a, a breakout year for him. Yeah. Um, Sebastian Ajo, their highly talented rookie, has 11 points of his own. Uh, through 21-22 games. Cam Ward has been quietly brilliant. He has a GAA below 2.25 in his first 16 appearances, which is pretty good. It's usually a bit higher than that. Uh, I don't think they can stay in the thick of things this year. I think they are making positive steps, and down the road, uh, they could be a pretty good team in the Eastern Conference. But they they need to find that goalie, um, that proven goalie, not named Cam Ward, for this team because Cam Ward is not the permanent solution. Yeah. He has he, he's been he's been a good goalie for them. Um, they haven't made it to the playoffs though, uh, only a couple of times during the Cam Ward era. Eddie Lack, probably a lot of people were thinking he was he was going to be the guy, um, but he hasn't proven himself even when healthy and and not dealing through concussion like protocols. Um, Eddie Lack hasn't really posted good numbers this year. It, he, at times, didn't really play so well last year, too, uh, in his first year with Carolina. But they have a promising goalie in the rankings, in their prospect system, named Alison Adelkovic, and he could be that guy. But uh, I think that proven NHL goalie is the one thing that this team needs to take it to the next level. Yeah. Because until then, they're just going to be an average team. Um, I should mention we should mention that they also have Justin Falk and Noah Hannafin, um, who yeah. are who are pretty good uh, defensemen for them. Uh, Noah Hannafin, especially because he's so young right now and he's only going to get better. Um, and Justin Falk is one of the more underrated team players in the league right now. Um, I also, as we mentioned. Uh, Jeff Skinner is, looks like he's getting a uh, kind of a comeback season this year. Uh, 19 points in 20 games isn't a lot, to, but like um, you know, usually Jeff Skinner has been so inconsistent lately. Um, I feel like yeah, they're in a tough division right now, as we just mentioned, and um, but I th- I feel like if they if they want this to continue and to be good, I don't know if they'll make the playoffs right now, but. Um, you know, Jeff Skinner actually has to step up and um, be that guy. And Jordan Stahl, guys like that, um, you know. Yeah, um, yeah I, I think we need a Victor little bit Rask. more from Jordan Stahl there, yeah. Um, Victor Rask has been good. Um, yeah, so uh, we'll see. Um, our other has been decent as well. He's got 10 points. Yep. Um, another, so our second team that we're going to talk about is the, uh, St. Louis Blues. Um, they're second in the Central Division. They play the Stars tonight, so we don't know what's going to happen in that game. But we'll, um, we will say that they're 12, 7, and 3. Uh, Tarasenko is doing Tarasenko's do, uh, do. I don't know. 20, he's I don't doing know what, what he does best, and, he, and, he's, he does. and he's and he's basically proving me wrong. I thought yeah. he was going to take a step no, was, back, but he hasn't yet. I was about to mention, yeah, Tarasenko um, 
is proving Steve wrong every point yeah. he scores. So um, he has 22 points in 22 games. Um, David Perron is the next guy in their scoring thing with 15 points, um, which is a little concerning, I guess, because Tarasenko is really their only uh, good player right now. But, um, yeah, so they're second in the Central Division right now with 27 points. Uh, they're 12-7-3. Um, they haven't been great in, uh, goal scoring or really, uh, goals allowed. They're 20th in goals against, um, but they also have a good penalty kill too. They're second overall in penalty kill percentage. So, um, there's that. Um, however, we were talking about this over the off season for them and said, you know, they lost, you know, guys like Bacchus and Brower who were big in their leadership. Mostly me. Yeah, mostly you, um, who are big for leadership purposes, um, and, you know, they didn't really do much to address, they didn't get another forward, um, I guess, except for Yakupov, um, Yakupov, but, um, yeah, so it is kind of, um, and they also, we don't know what's going on with Jake Allen, uh, we don't know, um, well, he's actually been pretty good. It's, it's, Jake Allen's numbers have been pretty good. 10, 3, and 3. Goals against average below 2.5. He's been yeah, pretty good. But there's still goals against have, haven't been the top in the league, is my point. Yeah. But yeah, uh, we don't know. You know, there's just a lot of question marks, is my point. You know, it's Ken Hitchcock's last year. Um, but uh, yeah, so so far they've been doing so. They've been doing well. But, you know, you need guys like uh, Fabry. I feel like they are for real, kind of. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, They're a playoff team at least, yeah. but, but are they the team that went to the conference finals last year? Yeah. Uh, that's too early to say. Exactly. Um, like I'm just looking at their uh, roster right now. I feel like uh, guys like Yakupov, Fabry, uh, Pareko, Steen, all those guys have to step up. Um and, you know, maybe not make it to, like, Tarasenko's level, but, like, you know, maybe, like, uh, you know, uh, 19 points, 18 points or something, but um, just step it up a bit. But, um, so they could get better, um, but for now they're doing pretty well, so they may not, who who knows what I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, Pareko, to, in, in his defense, he's got 11 points, but he's True. got zero goals, so... Right. I think. Uh, as I mean, Shannon Kirk and Peter Angelo, as they always do, are also doing well too. But yeah, um, yeah. And for for a defenseman, that's Ford. good numbers for Perego. But I I think you need to see him score some more goals. Yeah. Um, Steen, yeah, I agree. Steen and Fabry need to step up their game. Yakupov is five points in eighteen games. Um, this is a team, like you said, plays in the mighty Central Division. Sometimes they overpower you. Other times, like that game against Columbus where they lost eight to four, they get overpowered. And like you said, top 10 team in the league, given up 59 goals again, scored 57 through 22 games. You wonder, how would how is that possible when they have a top three penalty kill, a top 10 power play, and a 9-1-2 record on home ice? Uh, well, they're in the sim bin far too often. They've been shorthanded 86 times, third most in the NHL. Fortunately, they have the second fewest giveaways, so their penalty kill slightly benefits from that because... If they turn the puck over a lot more, that's, you know, how you get behind and 
probably take a bit, a few more penalties than you would yeah. like. Um, only 10 goals in the first period. That's atrocious. Yeah. Uh, second and third periods, not so bad. They're a top 10 team offensively. Um, they've also given up the second most goals in the second period, a stat that is significantly less ugly in the final 20 minutes. Um, we've seen this team play much better. And again, the absence of Bacchus and Brower, I said it was going to hurt this club at the beginning of the year. I still think it's going to hurt them uh, a lot more than people realize. Like I said, Tarasenko hasn't slowed down, which is good. Perron has been playing surprisingly well, which is good. And Schwartz had a big game uh, last week, so hopefully he's starting to pick up his game. Stastny looks to be back to his old self as well. That's a very good sign yeah. for a guy that's been injury-prone over the past couple of years. And uh, in his first year, he was he was good, but he wasn't great. And so it's good to see him put up a decent uh, numbers helping the team out there. Um they still have a long way to go to prove they can be that type of team this year. And regardless of how good Jake Allen's been this year, and you look at Brian Elliott's numbers in Calgary, and they're probably all those people are saying, oh, that's because he played on the Blues defense for a number of years. That's how good they are. Before their run last year, the St. Louis teams led by Ken Hitchcock struggled to make a statement when it mattered most. And they need to make a statement this year again. Yeah, it's a, it's a good point. Uh, they need. I don't know if they'll get back to the conference finals like they did, but I think they are for real in the sense that they're going to be in the playoffs, I think. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess they are for real. Um, <laughs> let's go to the uh, rapid fire. Uh, so this would have been our top topic, but uh, this is now our first uh, topic in the rapid fire. Uh, Bur- Brent Burns, uh, we talked about the, the Sharks uh, last uh, week in the Are They For Real section. Um, but this week, um, they uh, the Sharks re-signed Brent Burns for eight years, uh, $8 million per year. Um, he wears number 88. Um, <laughs> so uh, he's been doing well. Um, he's their top leading scorer, Brent Burns. Um, I think this is like, we can say this about any contract that happens. It's like, Either the terms are too long, or the uh, the years are too long, and I think for this one, like I think the years are too long, but at the same time, he uh, you know it's he has twenty points in twenty two games. You're not gonna like he's probably gonna decline in maybe maybe four years. He's thirty one years old, I believe. Yeah, um, thirty one. So there is a chance that he's going to decline um, eventually, but uh, for now, it's a good deal. Um, he is worth that. He is worth that much, maybe more. But, I don't know, I feel like it's a little bit too long, but, um, you know, I guess that's what you have to do nowadays in the NHL. Yeah, I, I, I think, and and I said, and I said, and I said this. I was thinking that, uh, about this uh, in my head when I saw the announcement. How does it break down year by year? They didn't know. Well, I uh, go to Cap Friendly, and it says that in the first four years, he's going to be getting paid ten million a year. Year five, it goes down to seven point five million. Year six, it goes down to six point five million. In the final two, five million per season. So that in the final four years of his deal, where yeah. probably you might expect a decline, that's not too bad. He True. does have a modified no-trade clause, though. So it'll be interesting to see how the Sharks uh, handle that. 
hopefully they won't have to worry about yeah, that. Yeah, no, I about to say, are they going to trade him? Hopefully continue to produce and they won't have to trade him. Yeah, so. I was about to say, are they going to trade him? I mean... <laughs> Well, I, I would hope not because we're yeah. talking about a guy who's played in 80 or more games in five of his 12 years to date, played in over 70 on two other occasions. He surpassed the 40-point mark in five of his 12 years, on his way to making it 6 of 13 this year, by the way, mm-hmm. as he's registered 20 points after his first 21 games. Five of those 12 seasons, he recorded double-digit goal totals, and he's recorded a pair of 20-goal seasons over the last three years. And he's got eight goals through 21 games this year, subject to change. It's probably going to go up to, you know, 10. So there's another double-digit goal season. Yeah. Uh, and he could get 20 goals for all we know. Uh, each of the past two years, he's recorded at least 60 points. Last year, 75 points. Broke his personal best from the year before. Uh, so while he's nearing the prime of his career, he's not showing it yet. Um and you also have a versatile defenseman. This is a guy who can play defense and he can play forward. And the only guy that probably does that just as good, I doubt better, but just as good as Brent Burns can is Dustin Bufflin of the Winnipeg Jets. Oh, I thought you were going to say Eric Carlson, but yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, he hasn't played forward, though. Oh, uh, that's what you meant. Although he, I he, mean, he could play forward. The, he's an offensive defenseman. He could sure. play forward, yeah. He could, he could, he could probably uh, play forward. Yeah, he can do anything. Yeah. Um, and you know what? As he gets older, the burden on the Sharks' salary cap goes down. So even if his performance suffers, the Sharks can manage a little bit better. If it was, you know, eight million per season. So uh, I think, I think down the road, I, I don't think the Sharks are going to get burned as badly if Brent Burns struggles. But if he's down yeah. to twenty points, and you're paying a guy five million to put up twenty points a year, then you know, maybe, yeah. Uh, maybe it doesn't look too good. But I guess their plan is it probably won't get to that, and he's and and his best years are hopefully still ahead of him. So yeah, it doesn't true. look as bad contract wise when you look at the final four years. Uh, I didn't realize that. Yeah, the final four years he isn't. It's not like exactly eight every year, but um, yeah. so that is a little better than I thought it would be. But right now he's. He has 20 points in 22 games, um, tied for, with uh, Pavelski for the team lead in points there. So, um, yeah, he has. He's also projected to have 75 points this year. Um, so it's not bad. Um, <laughs> um, in other signing news, Ben Hutton uh, signs a two-year extension with the Vancouver Canucks. Um, he's a young defenseman for the Canucks. Um, you know, I guess yeah. that's a good deal. Um, Six foot two, just 23, also from the Ottawa area, from Prescott, Ontario. Yeah. Uh, Donald has minus 29 over his first 96 games. Will you? The Canucks don't have much defense, after all. Um, four points in his first 21 games this year. He had 25 and 75 games last year. Um, also spent three years at the University of Maine, spent some time in the CCHL, the Kempville 73s, and the Pian Raiders. Outside of Ole Uolevi, he's their best young defenseman. So this is a good move. Two-year deal worth $5.6 million. To get that in just your second year of your entry level, that's pretty impressive. Uh, and good on Ben Hutt. Yep. We have a lot of uh, day-to-day um, announce, anna- injury announcements, but um, these and are all... Reserve notes. Yep, a few injury reserve notes. Um, but most of these guys are day to day, so they may play tomorrow or we'll see. 
Um, Sabanajad, let's start with the one that's the most serious. Um, Sabanajad, uh, it looks like he, uh, tore his calf. Um, he's set to return early January. Yeah, Um, broken fibula is what I heard. He'll miss six to eight weeks. Yeah, this is unfortunate for the Rangers, but, you know, they also have a lot of, they have a lot of good forward depth, so they might be okay. Yeah, Um, Yeah, first thing that's gone wrong for them all year. Exactly. Uh, Taze has an upper body injury. He's day-to-day. Um, again, Chicago has good offensive depth, so even though he is their captain and a big part of their team, um, they'll be fine, I think, without him. Um, Jimmy Howard has a groin injury. He's also day-to-day. Actually, he is slated to miss 10 to 14 days, so... Uh, more like one or two weeks, but it not not uh, well, as bad as Mika's advantage at According to uh, Roto World, he's day to day. So oh, okay, um, I, I I heard ten to fourteen days. Groin injuries are a tricky thing. And, true. Uh, it'll be interesting but, to see how his performance yeah. uh, is affected. Verazic, one point eight two GAA, nine forty C percentage true. before he got hurt. Veraz, yeah, exactly. Morazic hasn't been that great. Uh, before this injury, so yeah, we'll he, see. he was good against Montreal, though. That's good. That's They're going to need him to be. Yeah. Um, the uh, Sean Couturier, a lower body um, injury. He's day to day. Actually, I heard he's out for the next four to six weeks. And oh. although they haven't diagnosed it, reports say it's an MCL sprain. Uh-huh. So. Okay. Well, I'm I'm just taking this from Roto World, who say he's day to day. But okay. okay. So you're you're always going to correct me, I guess. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, yeah. uh, unless I hear. No, no that's fine. That's fine. You then, might. I'm I mean, just reporting what I'm just reporting what I'm hearing. So it's between day to day and four to six weeks. That yeah, narrows it down. For that's <laughs> the, the that's the thing with day to day is that he could be four to six weeks. He's just day to day for a while. Um, okay. Nathan, I guess until they put him on injured reserve. That's pretty much the only way you can classify him as daily, but I heard True. four to six weeks. So. Okay. Anyway, uh, that's not what I know. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, Nathan Bulio from the Montreal Canadiens. He has yeah. a neck injury. Um, he's day to day. Maybe. <laughs> I don't know now. My, my world is shattered now. Uh, <laughs> he, he, took, he took a puck in the throat or near the throat. And I remember a couple of years ago, Henrik Lundqvist had to miss some time when he when he took a puck in the throat or a stick in the throat, uh, something near the neck throat area, and uh, that kind of affected his performance, uh, affected his ability to play. So you're right, it, that one is tricky. It could be day to day, but it could be a lot longer than just a day to day thing. So um, hopefully Nathan Bolio gets back on the ice soon, but with those injuries, they're tricky. Um. Eddie Lack, as we mentioned early on, um, he has a con- he suffered a concussion. This is another thing where it's day to day, but it could be longer than just a day to day thing. So we'll see. Um, but yeah, you know, Cam Ward has been good without him, uh, without Lack in the lineup. But um, they kind of need Lack to be that guy, um, as you were talking about in terms of goaltending. You know, you need. I think Lack could be their solution, but, um, you know, he actually needs to step up and be that guy. Um, 
And then, they also had Michael Layton, who, uh, who, oh, yeah. was actually, who actually turned out to be the winning goalie that cost Gerard yeah. Atlanta's job. So. He, he had his first win. Michael Layton had his first win since like 2010, I think, or something like that. Seems um, like a long time. Uh, yeah, well, obviously. Yeah, I don't know. Let me get, make sure it's the right, it's the right date. Um, where did I find this? It's been a while since he's actually played a game in the NHL, right. frankly. Um, hold on. Why didn't I, I don't know where I found that information. It's, uh, it was, it was a long time ago is the point. Yeah. Um, may not have been 2010, but it was, it was a long time. Uh, Derek Dorsett is a, has a shoulder injury. Um, he's day to day. Um, I yeah. don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think that's fair. I, he was placed on injured reserve, but see, the thing with injured reserve is, you need to do that, I guess, to call somebody up. Yeah. But I heard that he was going to miss a couple of games. So that's not really, you know, an injured reserve week-to-week stint. So, yeah, I think that's valid day-to-day for Derek. Okay. Um, actually, so we were going to talk about this later, but I feel like this actually connects. So um, it looks like Eichel might play this week. Um, he, even like tomorrow or Tuesday, and also, uh, Taylor Hall is uh, was in practice on Monday, so uh, he's close to returning as well. Um, so that's good news for both those teams. Um, now Denver we go- also activated from injured reserve by uh, the Kings. Who? Marion Gabrick. Oh, the Gabrick. Yeah, by the Kings. Yeah. Uh, so Jake Gunsell. Um, so there's a couple of players who made their debut this week. Uh, Jake Gunsel, who is the, I don't know how to pronounce the name, but... Gensel. Gensel. You're close. Um, he was, uh, he uh, started the week. Uh, he scored on the first shot in the first yep. period. Um, and then he had another goal uh, almost right after that. Um, yeah, two goals on his first yeah. three shots. He was, um, he's like a, uh, he, I guess um, he was known as a, Big time prospect for the Penguins, or one of their best prospects. Um, but uh, yeah, so he proved it on uh, Monday when he got two goals in like the first period, um, and then uh, he has four goals or four points um, in four games that he's played so far. Um, so yeah, he's been pretty good. Um, he's from Nebraska, which is pretty cool, um, and he was a third rounder. Um, I think you have more information than I do about this. Yeah, guy. my first question is, where the hell did the Penguins find these guys? I know, I know. <laughs> Crosby and Malkin and now this kid. Um, over the past four years, he's played in at least three different leagues. He played uh, for uh, CU City in the USHL, scored 29 goals, finished with 73 points in 60 games. Next three years, he played with the University of Nebraska-Omaha. Averaging close to or over a point per game in each of those three seasons. His coach, Dean Blay, said in a YouTube video that Jake possesses a good hockey sense. And he helped two different guys in two different seasons have success. One of them was Austin Ortega. And he calls Gensel one of the best playmakers I've ever played with. And someone who's good in the corners. So, um, after that, uh, he goes to Wilkes-Barre, Scranton, the Penguins AHL team records six points in 11 games, and then he gets five goals and 14 points in 10 playoff games. 
At the time of Jake's call-up this year, he was tied for third in AHL scoring with seven goals and ten assists in 16 games. Also a plus-14 tops in the AHL at the time of his departure. And like you said, in his NHL debut with the Rangers, two goals on his first three shots, that's pretty good. His family was thrilled. He got his first NHL assist in their uh, 6-2 loss to Minnesota. And then he got his third goal of the year in Saturday's home game versus New Jersey. Uh, so when you have tons of success at so many different levels in just a short amount of time, that proves your future is bright as a professional athlete, even if you play on the Penguins, especially if you play on the Penguins. Uh, he also has two older brothers and a father who played in the pros and is now a coach with, uh, I last check was a coach with the University of Minnesota. So uh, he's got a lot of people to look on for hockey advice. So um, I think this kid is going to have a bright NHL future. Yep. Uh, Especially. And, so bright, and, and, he's, and I think his future is so bright that I just picked him up on my fantasy team. Nice. Yay! Well, four points in his first four games. That's a pretty good way to start your career. Um, yeah. And, and it's it's just it just goes to show you how good they develop their guys because I never yeah. heard of this guy until the start of uh, last week. But yeah. uh, I like what I see. And, and it's not skill goals. He just drives to the net. Like yeah. that goal against New Jersey, it was just a puck just lying there and he just taps it in. So yeah. uh, he's he's not afraid to go to the net and, and get the dirty goals. So that's, that's good. When you have guys... I make the simple plays. That's what you want on your team. Um, I mean, it kind of helps that he's uh, he's he's on a line with Malkin and Kessel. So, but yeah, yeah you're right though. Uh, and he, and, he, and in is... that game, in that game where he got two goals, he only got I think 38 seconds of power play time. Yeah. But no, you're right though. That's um, like I mean, I guess that's what happens when you're on the Penguins. Is you know you have the chance to play with like legends um in, with Kessel and Malkin so but um I think they're all going to benefit from his, yeah. his performance there exactly um I guess I so I put Essa Lindell here um as another guy who made their debut but I just found out that he played 13 games um already <laughs> so uh, he hasn't had a debut yet but he had I think uh three points this week so um he, uh, I guess he, uh, put his, put a notice on us for now. Um, well, yeah, he did because yeah. he got his first career NHL goal in a two to one win over right. Vancouver also picked up an assist on that night. And like you said, three points in 17 career games projected to be one of the stars, best young defenseman, right. not named John Klingberg at just 22 years of age. And another guy who did actually make his debut this week, uh, Julius Honka. Um, Julius Honka, yeah. Um, is another or guy. Julius Honka, one, Julius one of those two, yeah. I thought it was great, Juli- great name, by the way. Yeah, great, great name. name. I thought it was, like, it's like a soft J, not like a hard J. Yeah, Julius Honka, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> it's it's I finished. guess I have to watch the Stars broadcast to really know for yeah, sure. Yeah. But anyways, he made his debut this week, um, so. Um, and then lastly, uh, Anthony Stolars from the Philadelphia Flyers. He's yep. the first um, New Jersey-born goaltender to make a debut NHL debut or play in the NHL. Uh, he beat the uh, he beat the Fla- uh, the Flames five to three. Um, so um, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of tough to know how good he's gonna be um, from uh, just from one game, but. 
Um, you know, he's from New Jersey, and I guess he's uh, and he's a goalie, so he probably took after Martin Brodeur, yeah. I would guess. Um, so, uh, but that's cool, the though. first New Jersey goalie to play in the NHL. I guess you'd have to be inspired by somebody. Yeah, I know. I wonder who. I wonder who. Um, and, uh, and he's, yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, um, he's 22 years old as well. Um, so maybe, you know, maybe this guy is the goalie of the future for the Flyers. We'll see. Well, he's definitely made significant strides where other Flyers goalies haven't been able to, because in the 2009 NHL entry draft, and I've alluded to this multiple times before, the Philadelphia Flyers drafted a big, tall goalie named Roman Chekmanic. The same year they drafted Justin Williams, by the way. He was yep. also a Flyers draft pick. Uh, since then, they have drafted, count them, 20 goalies. Jeremy Duchesne and Martin Houle, from what I researched, were the only goaltenders since the Roman Chekmanic draft to be drafted by Philly and play for the Philadelphia Flyers in their first career NHL start. Well, with, Ma- with Anthony Stollers making his NHL debut on Sunday, you can make it three of those 20 goalies. Um, in 2013-2014, appeared in 35 games with the OHL's London Knights, won 25 of them, posted a 953 save percentage and a 2.52 goals against average. First AHL season was a learning curve, but posted 21 victories last year in year two. And uh, his all play with Lehigh Valley, uh, their AHL affiliate, has continued this year. Team feels he deserves the chance to prove himself at the highest level. And uh, like you said, a very historic uh, debut. Um, of course, uh, the first goal the Flames score on him is shorthanded. Uh, they do that a lot, to be fair. Sure. So. That's not that big of a knock on him. Uh, stopped 29 of the 32 shots he faced. Uh, 29 of the 31. Um, oh, I, I, I don't know if they scored their first shot. But anyways, 29 of 32 <laughs> shots stopped. That's pretty good for your NHL debut. And Again, the Flames aren't no slouch either. True. They have a good team. Well, I mean, they have an okay team. But yeah, I mean, it, it's tough to know on like a first start. But yeah, um, you know, he, may be, uh, he might be good in the future. We'll see. It's hard to know with goalies because it's like, you yeah. know, they could, like, it takes a while for them to truly develop. So we'll have to w- wait and see m- years from now um, if he's actually a good guy or not, or good play, good player or not. Um, Coyotes have assigned uh, Dylan Strome back to the, his OHL team, the Airy Otters. Um, I guess he'll, he'll need more seasoning. Um, I know he was healthy scratch for a bit, but, um, yeah, so he's back in the Airy Otters. Um, I also yeah, saw that he's, he's going to be, I think he's going to be pretty good, uh, yeah. because over the past two OHL seasons, he scored at least 35 goals yeah. and 110 points in both campaigns, including 20 points in each yeah. of the last two playoff runs. Yeah. He's in, in that. Season one, he only needed 13 games. Yeah. He's in that, games. um. He's in that like thing where he's like too good to be on the OHL, but not yeah. good enough to be in the NHL fully. So, and, and, he, and he said he preferred to stay with the team, but uh, this yeah. year and not go back to the OHL because he thinks he's ready to be in the NHL. But yeah, uh, you know, I think that's, he would that's be. Good. But... When, when you have a player that's confident in his abilities, that's good. Yeah, that's and, true. Uh, in his debut, he got it a is... goal and assist. For those curious, it is a shame that he can't go straight to the AHL, but um, yeah. whatever. Um. The Oilers are 
Zero, 24, and one against the Coyotes as well, speaking about the Coyotes. Zero, 21, yeah. and four. But, yeah, still haven't beaten Arizona in regulation in their last 25 meetings. That's yeah. uh, not that impressive. Also, speaking of the Oilers and the Coyotes, um, Dylan Strom, uh, I, I read somewhere that Dylan Strom is now the all-time assist leader from the Ariotters, taking... Uh, from McDavid's spot in the assists in that category. So um, that's another thing the Coyotes are better at than the others are. Um, Garrett's uh, another big um, news story that kind of happened this week, or not kind of happened, it did happen this week, was uh, Garrett Sparks, who is a Toronto Marley goaltender. He was suspended indefinitely from the team because he um, kind of threatened a guy on his on a Facebook group, um, it's a little. Um, I felt like a lot of the news stories here were a little sensationalized, um, just because he was trying to defend um, a handicapped person, yeah. Um, and he was threatening the guy like a bully who was uh, saying mean things towards that person. But but at the same time, it's like you have to know um, that you're a goaltender. Um, and you should, like, he had the right intent, but the wrong way to go about it when you're a goaltender. Um, I felt Uh, like suspending is, suspension indefinitely is a little too strong for me, um, but, um, it happened, you know, it's like, uh, let's, let's, let's delve too deep into this, and of course I'll bleep out the actual bleep words, um. I read this on TSN.ca over the weekend, and it, and it says, directly quoting here, quote, According to users in a Facebook goalie group for which Sparks is an administrator, members of the forum were mocking a disabled person. Sparks came to that person's defense by asking one yeah. of those members in the forum where he lived. And he also wrote this, I want to go to open hockey with you and drag you out to center ice and beat you into a <coughs> pulp. Until you can't run that <clears throat> little mouth of yours, you sound like a 13-year-old girl. And when another member reprimanded Sparks for insulting women, he apologized, then added, girls don't whine as much as this guy does. And uh, once the Leafs found out about the incident, which came to light on November 22nd, yep. roughly one week ago, they told the Marlies in the middle of their road trip to send him back home. Uh, they addressed it directly to Sparks, did not dress for the Marlies on Friday and Saturday. Um... Unclear at this point when he'll be cleared to play again. And again, his intentions were good, went about it the wrong way. He's got to learn from this error. And I think a suspension, even if it's for a couple of games, um, he, he needs to learn from this. Yeah. Sometimes you need to discipline a guy, even if although, it's just for a couple of games. You need, you need to send a message that's just not acceptable. Although indefinitely, I applaud him for trying to stick up for a guy. That's, yeah. that's, that's the good side of him. The bad side is how he went about it. I feel like he definitely makes it seem like he's, you know, he's just going to... Well, yeah, for the rest know. of the year. No, yeah. I don't think they go that far. That, that's, that's why it's so strange to be, like, suspended indefinitely. I feel like that's so strong. But, you know, like, yeah, yeah I'd, be, I'd be fine if he gets suspended. I mean, obviously, he's fi- he is going to get suspended. But, um, you know, they should just tell you exactly how long. Um, it definitely makes it seem like it's forever. I guess it, I guess, I guess it all depends. You know, they... Like they don't want to, like they they want to make sure that he's that he's that he's learned his his lesson, but they don't want to say you know serve this three game suspension and assume that he learned his lesson, right? I guess that's a good point. Yeah, true. Um, uh, 
we we talked about this last week about Craig Cunningham last uh, who um, collapsed on the ice, um, yeah. and uh, a, a bunch of uh, Bruins former Bruins players are um, you know have been keeping contact and have been saying their thoughts on Twitter and stuff. But uh, Lucic who uh, Lucic who is a former Bruin and uh, played with him. Uh, says that Cunningham is making progress, which is uh, good news. So um, there, there's an update there. Um, hopefully he's uh, he's okay. Um, again, our thoughts and prayers are with him again. Um, Matt Carl retires after 12 NHL seasons. Um, I don't know if you have anything to say with these people. But yeah, he... Now, 11 goals and 42 assists in 77 games as a member of the Sharks in his, his first really full year of the NHL. Able to surpass the 80-game mark on four different occasions, but the only career high he was able to surpass as an NHLer. Yeah. Uh, retires at the age of 32, played in just six games with the Predators this year. Uh, like I said, spent a few years in San Jose, but most of the time that he spent in the NHL was split between Philly and Tampa Bay. Um, also had two stints with the Lightning, I should say that. Yeah. Uh, 283 points in 730 career NHL games. That's pretty good, but yeah. um, retires at the age of 32. Yeah, not a Hall of Famer, but still a decent player. Yeah, um, we wish him all the best. Exactly. Uh, Brandon Pruss leaves the NHL to play in Germany. Um, you, I kind of forgot about Pruss, which is kind of funny considering he's such a pest, you know, but... Um, yeah, so now he's playing in Germany. Um, I don't think he officially retired then. Um, no. Uh, he, a member of the 2005 Knights, probably yep. should mention that as well. Uh, drafted by the Flames in 2004, I don't think so many people realize that he was a yep, Flames he was a Canuck and also Canadian uh, and he, decided to lead, he decided to lead the Leafs a sixth team, hadn't played a game for them, um, and he's recorded at least 100 penalty minutes in five consecutive years yep. at one point. So, uh, still got that toughness to him. Um, he was 13 on the... Goals, 13 goals and 29 points was his career high. Yeah. Uh, and in his first year where he got that stretch of 100-plus penalty minutes. So. Um, yeah, he was on the Rangers, the Canadians, yeah. Canucks. I'm probably blanking Canucks out on Canucks for one year, yeah. Um, Coyotes, Flames... Yeah, so those are all. Arizona? Huh? Uh, for okay. eleven games, yeah. Wow. Phoenix, okay. yeah. Um, uh, Bob Chase, who is a member mentor to uh, Doc Emmerich, has died. Um, that's another. It's uh, died, I believe, at the age of uh, ninety, if I if I remember okay. correctly. And, and Doc Emmerich, as you know. Uh, uh, NBC Sports. Um, I'm sure he's inspired plenty of hockey broadcasters yep. himself, and you know, you you inspire so many broadcasters like Doc Emmerich has, and and you find out that Bob Chase mentored him. You know, Bob Chase indirectly mentored all those guys that looked up to Doc Emmerich. So that uh, that explains the significance of why hmm. we're mentioning that. So our thoughts are with the Chase family during yep, this difficult exactly. Um, now we're on to the Bruins send segment. Um, yep. I, I'm going to let you go first. Um, okay. I don't have too much because well, I'll explain it in a bit, but let's okay. go with you first because you have more right. stuff to talk about. 
All right, so as we said last week, the Hamburglar still in the system. Matt Pumple, though, is not. He was put on waivers and claimed by the New York Rangers shortly after the injury to former Senator Mika Zibanejad. A lot of segues there. Yep. Uh, the now former Senator had this to say about the New York uh, to the New York media over the weekend. Quote, they let you play here. They let you play to your strengths. They know there are going to be mistakes. They are not barking at you every time you come off the ice. It is beneficial. Back in Ottawa for a while, it was getting a little repetitious. Chip the puck, chase the puck, etc. This was the most minutes I've played in a long time. The more minutes you get, you feel like you're more engaged. Uh, when asked about those comments, since Coach Guy Boucher had none of it. He said, I don't want to hear about another team's player. He's not on our roster. I wish him good luck. When they're here, you would grow with them. When they are when they are somewhere else, they are somewhere else. Matt Pumple got one goal in his first game as a Ranger. I'm happy for him. I'm really, really happy for Matt Pumple. He had zero goals and zero points in 13 games for Ottawa. And as a Cameron mainstay in 26 games last year, he only had three points. Matt Pumple is not a bad player. He got 88 goals in one year of minor Ontario hockey for a reason. He got thir- three 30-goal seasons in the OHL for a reason. He got a 30-goal season in, in the AHL for a reason. He was a point-of-game player in bingo last year for a reason. But Matt Pumple slowly but surely, rightly or wrongly, became expendable in a prospect pool that has continued to grow. It started with Curtis Lazar. It continued with Colin White and Thomas Shabbat. And then you have the left-wingers that have made strides. Mike Hoffman has emerged as a goal-scoring threat. Zach Smith got 25 goals last year. They signed Chris Kelly to a one-year deal this offseason. And then you have Clark MacArthur, who has yet to return to game action after suffering that concussion that one time. Uh, So the final straw in this relationship, if those of you are wondering, was none of that. It was when Ryan Dezingle made the most of his ice time. In his first 21 games this year, Ryan Dezingle registered 5 goals and 11 points. That's much better than 0 goals and 0 points in 13 games. Dezingle did not blow you away with his stats like Matt Pumple did on his road to the NHL. But once he got to the NHL, however, Dezingle has been the better player than Matt Pumple. And it's unfortunate this team had to lose a guy like Matt Pumple for nothing. But he was the odd man out, and I don't think anyone can dispute that. He just, in my opinion, he wasn't the right fit for Ottawa. And he should do everything he can to make the most out of his time at the Rangers because if he can't do that, then he's going to slowly run out of lives in the National Hockey League. Because, you know, if it doesn't work out with one team, if it doesn't work with two teams, it doesn't work out with a third team, then how many options do you have left before no one takes a shot at you? So... Um, that's that's just my two cents on Matt Pumple and his comments uh, towards the sense. Now, getting back to Ryan DeSingle for a quick second, uh, his ear uh, took a beating in that game against Boston, took an Eric Carlson shot right in the ear, needed at least 30 stitches to repair it, got it taped up back in the game. A great job by the Ottawa training staff and a gut decision by the rookie to stay in that game. Um, if, it, if I was his mom, I don't, I don't know if I necessarily agree with him going back into the game, but he did anyway. Uh, speaking of injury and speaking of Ryan's, Bobby Ryan was back in the lineup, did his part in that game against Boston. He's the guy who set up a straight to make it 3-1 Ottawa. Uh, Mike Hoffman, we mentioned him before, also returned to the lineup. 
got a goal and two assists versus Montreal uh, the game before the Boston game. Uh, Carlson's quite brilliant, says also continued. Here's an interesting stat. Did you know prior to Saturday's action, he leads the league in block shots? I didn't know that, no. Apparently, Eric Carlson, Eric Carlson leads the league on Saturday. Uh, and I didn't know this until Guy Boucher told the media. So, if it comes from Guy Boucher, it must be legit. Uh, Mark scored a pair of goals over those two games against Montreal and Boston. Good for him. Good for my fantasy team as well. Uh, I don't know if it's just me, but it seems like different guys are stepping up in those key moments every night. This is how you beat teams like Montreal and Boston, especially in tight games. It's different guys stepping up in different moments. And it's also how you defeat the streaky odd teams like Carolina, who are on a five-game winning streak before they lost a pair of two-to-one games, as we mentioned before. Mm-hmm. And here's the remarkable thing. 11 straight games, Ottawa gave up the first goal. And they somehow won the majority of them. And you would think that number would rise to 12 against the Rangers, but it didn't. And that's mainly because the Sens shut out the Blue Shirts 2 to nothing in a building like Madison Square Garden where all they have done as of late is win. And uh, the last seven days, I don't think they could have gone any better for this team because they played four games, they won all four, and now they're seven games above 500 and in the NHL's top five, as we mentioned earlier. Uh, this week, though, they need to have a big week. They need to have another big week. They got three home games, Tuesday versus Buffalo, Thursday versus Philly, Saturday versus Florida, who just fired Gerard Gallant. And the next seven days could be just as crucial as the last seven when you consider their road game versus Pittsburgh on December the 5th, and then they go on that Death Valley road trip to San Jose, Los Angeles, and Anaheim. Uh, Also later this month, they host the Sharks and Ducks, pay a visit to Chicago on December 20th, and then visit the New York Rangers once more after the Christmas break on December the 27th. So the Sens cannot afford to slow down. I like where they're at. They just need to keep they just need to keep on rolling here. All right. Um, yeah, no, the Sens uh, actually look good. I actually didn't, um, I think we'll talk about this now, but I didn't see the Bruins-Sens game on Thursday. I was eating turkey and watching parts of the football game. But, um, yeah, as every so, American would probably yeah, be doing. exactly. So I, I was trying to sneak in uh, scores throughout the night, but I didn't, I like only like, watched, like, the third period, um, sort of, um, and so I didn't really watch much of the game. I also, um, the, for the, I guess I'm a little bearing the lead here, but, um, I didn't see any of the Calgary Flames Bruins game on Friday either. Yeah. But, uh, I can start at the beginning of the week. I did watch the St. Louis Blues Bruins game on Tuesday. Um, We lost, but the bigger news story there was that uh, we lost uh, Zdeno Chara for um, a couple of uh, minutes, or, you know, I think he left in the second period or something like that, Um, and uh, if you hadn't, like, a lot of people had said before all this that, like, um... You know, Char's old news, he's not doing well, and so far he had been doing, like, pretty well. He's had a kind of a resurgence going on, um, and, um, you know, people were, you know, uh, Brandon Carlo was his line mate and all that stuff, so, um, and that was a big part of it, too, so, um, 
But, uh, yeah, so we kind of need Chara in our lineup uh, now. And, you know, Rask has also had a resurgence too. But, you know, again, it's it's one of those things that I'm reminded by that we had a problem the last two years is that, like, Rask can't do everything by himself. Yes, he's good. He's not the main problem. But, um, you know, he, he needs defensive help. So without Chara, um, our team is kind of screwed. Um, so... Yeah, so we lost him in the St. Louis game. I don't think Chara is that seriously injured. He is day-to-day. Um, it appears to be a lower body injury, but hopefully he's fine. Um, there's uh, The thing with the Bruins here... Um, so yeah, we lost to Ottawa, as Steve mentioned before. Um, and then we also lost to the Calgary Flames on Friday the day after that. Those were all without uh, Zdeno Chara and the game on Calgary. Uh, we were playing former um, goaltender Chad Johnson, who's actually been pretty good now. Um, uh, and he uh, he stopped 35 shots um, and only gave up one um, uh, against us. So the thing with the Bruins, uh, the biggest problem was is that they um, they can't score. Um, yes, we have David Pasternak, and we have Brad Marchand. Um, and our, you know your team's bad when your fourth-line center, um, Dominic Moore, is your uh, third-highest goal scorer, or is tied for second in goals on your team with six. So... Um, I'm glad, um... What else I didn't realize, sorry to quickly interrupt, Bergeron has only three goals this yeah. year. Like, he, I know he's a guy that does the little things well, right, but his offensive numbers have been a bit off this year. Yeah, no, I was about to mention that. Bergeron hasn't been good. Uh, Krejci needs to step up, although he has 11 assists, but he has two goals that needs to be stepped up. Uh, Spooner, Backus has been okay. Um, he got that goal against his former team in St. Louis, but, um, yeah, so I think, like, like, you know, it's it's been, like, last year, our big, you know, we had no trouble scoring goals. It was pretty uh, dispersed throughout all four lines. But now it seems like the only lines that are good are Brad Marchand and uh, David Pasternak. And I love Dominic Moore. Um, he's become one of my favorite players. But when he's, like, you know, you can't rely on that because he's a fourth-line center. Um, and he's not going to be getting you points, or you can't rely on that all the time. So, yeah, Bergeron needs to step up. Krejci needs to step up. Um, a lot of guys need to step up. So, um, I think, like, you know, we're fourth in our Atlantic division. So, and, Oh, wait, and we, I forgot to mention that we uh, beat the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning 4-1 to on Sunday. So, um, our scoring may pick up. Um, we'll see. But, um but uh, it, it'll be tough. We play, uh, um, it's just one of those things where, you know, we, we are shooting a lot. We had 41 shots against uh, St. Louis, uh, 36 against Calgary, and 30 against Tampa Bay. So those are, like, shots, we're definitely getting shots in. It's just they're not accurate. And I hope that, like, you know, a bunch of shots are good, obviously, um, the more shots you have, the better chance you have in scoring, but, uh, you know, those shots just need to go in, 
Um, it was 4-1 um, to Tampa Bay. I forgot to mention that uh, Jimmy Hayes, who has been goalless for a long time now, um, finally got the monkey off his bat. Yeah, back. first goal in 36 games. Yeah, Did I hear that goal. correctly? Exactly. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, this was his first goal this season, and I think he hasn't scored a lot. He hadn't scored. He's been a huge disappointment when we got him. Um, but yeah, so Jimmy Hayes got that, um, got that monkey off his back, and he even celebrated that way. Um, he like threw up like uh, an imaginary <laughs> monkey and put it in his stance. It was funny. Um, yeah, Rask was really close to getting a shutout, but um, uh, he didn't. Um, and I saw both my goalies had shutouts going in the third period. Yeah. The other team just ruined it for them. Exactly. Uh, David Pasternak's been pretty good for us, speaking of goals. Um, so he's been our lone bright spot in terms of that. He's second in goals um, in the NHL right now with 13. Uh, only Sidney Crosby has more with 15. So, um, I don't know. I I like. Uh, I feel like our odds are good, but um, I mean, like, I feel like we're getting chances, and I do like our defense now. Even we just need to get Chara back. Um, John Michael Lyles is also injured too. Yeah, that was a scary scene yep. there. That was <laughs> scary, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, trips over Ben Bishop's stick. For those who didn't see, yep. it, it went hard in the boards. So it did yep. not look. Good. We'll see. Um, Tuesday, we play Philadelphia. I was all over the place there. I'm sorry. But Tuesday, we're at, we were, we're at Philadelphia. Our Bruins are at Philadelphia. Thursday, they play Carolina, as we talked about. Are they for real or not? Saturday, we're at, uh, Buffalo. A team that has struggled to score at home this year. So that's good news for Boston, potentially. Exactly. So, um... Yeah, it should be, uh, I mean, those aren't tough teams, but they, uh, you know, they should be, they're still, um, they, you know, you should, they should still try. Um, hopefully the Lightning game is a sign of things to come and our scoring will ha- happen, but um, we'll have to see um, in that. Um, and I, at this moment, I'm not, like, so worried about the, like, the division standings because I have... Um, I have a feeling like Ottawa may not be as good as, um, they are right now. Um, I know. Sorry, Steve. I, I, well, I'm not so sure how good they are either, but I yeah. like what I'm, I'm like what I'm seeing. From yeah, exactly. Um, you know, in Montreal, Tampa Bay may be actually for real. Um, so, it, you know, it's, it's still tough. I feel like it's still early. It's, you know, it's. Start of December. I guess, like, in January, I'll be worried about standings if we're yeah. late. But right now, we're fourth. I'm I'm okay with it. At least I'm not overreacting and want Claude Julian fired. Um, so, um, and if, if he does get fired, then, hey, Gerard Gallant might Yeah, be Gerard Gallant, exactly. He can, uh... Well, it's funny, <laughs> too, because... Uh, Claude, Claude Julian was fired... Well, used to be a Montreal head coach. Yeah. Um... He was then, also a, he was also a coach of the Devils. He yeah, yeah, the and then he year, got like midway through right, here he got canned. By when the, uh, the Devils were actually like in a playoff spot, and he got fired. Yeah, and well in into a playoff yeah, exactly. Spot. And then uh, so then he got hired by the Bruins, and now he's like you know he's now a Montreal. He's in Montreal's division and whatnot. So if we get Gerard Gallant, I'd be okay with that. Just so we could he could uh, 
um, get his vengeance on Florida. Um, I uh, think if, that's you, a, if you wouldn't mind, uh, do you mind me putting a spin on the Bruins? Because I also I didn't watch any of their games, but uh, <laughs> I, I I looked at some of their stat summaries, and there and there are a couple of things that. Uh, stood out to me all right i guess so i i don't know if i should be should i be scared or no 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 i no no it's it's just it's just the little things that that seem to be um getting the wins or costing them wins um, all right like you said I... good showing by dave backus against st louis they came up short uh against uh st louis they, they look pretty good in that game they got a one nothing lead in the final minute of the first against ottawa they failed to score in the final 40 Ended up losing the game three to one, um, and while they lost to Calgary and their solid backup goalie Chad Johnson, he's been very good for them this year. He's a solid backup, but an unproven starting goaltender at this level. You need to beat teams like Calgary, yeah. and you need to beat the teams like Ottawa in your division. Um, <laughs> it's just the small inconsistencies that have cost them. That St. Louis tilt, they managed at least 10 shots in all three periods of hockey. In the game against the Sens, they failed to surpass 10 shots in all three periods. Right. And then they outshoot Calgary 31-16 to in the final 40 minutes. They tie the game in the third. Less than a minute late, uh, just over a minute later, Calgary gets the lead back and they hang on. It's just the little things that can sometimes cost you points in this league. That happened to Ottawa all the time last year. It's the little things that that sometimes also cause losing streaks. And that's, in my opinion, how they got to three straight losses. Uh, fortunately, they did better against Tampa. They only turned the puck over six times. Rask was solid yet again. Um, Bergeron needs to pick it up, though. Yep. Uh, and if they can't pick it up this week... Then I think the Bruins have got their work cut out for them because I'm just looking at their their month of December and what they have coming up. They have to square off against Florida twice, Washington, Colorado, Toronto, Montreal, Pittsburgh, Anaheim, L.A., and Columbus. And even though they got the other underachieving Islanders paying a visit, and they have three games versus Buffalo and two against Carolina, this is a tough month with three back-to-back games. Yeah. And the first two are Washington and Colorado, and then Pittsburgh and Anaheim. If you can't beat the teams you're supposed to beat, like Ottawa, Ottawa couldn't at times last year. It puts added pressure on the games you're not expected to win. No, that's so a good they point. need a very short memory this week, and they need to come out all guns a blazing. They need to come out swinging. Yeah, no, I agree with that, you that's, there. That's just my two cents. No, that's 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 a fair uh, point there. I mean. Considering that we have we play Carolina, uh, we like really Carolina. I guess is our only tough team this week. So or Philadelphia, I guess they're tough too. But um, so yeah, we got we do need a hopefully the lightning game that we played is like a start of something. Um, just this yeah. just came in through the wire here. Um, the Vancouver Canucks have said that. Alex Edler will undergo surgery today for a fractured index finger on his left hand. His expected recovery is four to six weeks. Um, and lastly, all Panthers personnel decisions will now be made by Dale Talon um, and AGMs Eric Joyce and Steve Werner. Tom Rowe focused on coaching. So, huh. so I guess he's not a general manager anymore. Um, okay. <laughs> well, uh, Dale Talon was, in my opinion, the right guy. Yeah. yeah. To, 
Well, yeah, you should have been the GM the too. Place. Yeah, I don't know why. It's kind of funny too, considering that Gerard Gallant was Talon's guy, and then so then yeah. he became the president um, of hockey operations. Just, just so, and then it's it's strange for Tom Rowe to be GM just so he could be the coach. <laughs> you know, um, it's. I don't know. It's a little strange, but whatever. Yeah, t- Tom Rowe better be counting his blessings because there's nothing saving him from his job if they don't exactly. do well. Exactly. Um, so that, 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 that's, it's good that Dale Town is, is back. Maybe they'll get a sense of normalcy again. Well, yeah, I don't know. Oh, the assistant GMs, Eric Joyce, that's who were. So, yeah, maybe... Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess uh, I think Dale Rowe. Town's probably going to be the main orchestrator behind all that, and he better be because at least Dale Town knows what he's doing. But it's weird though, as a as the president of hockey operations, aren't you like you're you're involved in all these things? So he might have been okay with the firing of Gerard Gallant. Yeah, you know what I mean. So I don't know. I um, still think they pulled the plug way too soon. Yeah, no, I agree. But um, there's that uh, social media stuff. Um, lay some, if you want to get more updates on, uh, on, uh, the Florida Panthers craziness, um, we are on Twitter a lot, um, lay some podcast, um, Facebook, uh, lay some up on Facebook, uh, like us on there, follow us on Twitter, um, SoundCloud, you're probably listening to us on SoundCloud right now. Um, inside lace them up. Um, and, uh, you know, subscribe to us on iTunes, rate us, um, all that stuff. Email us at laceupbag at gmail.com. Um, I think that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. We'll talk again in episode 55 of the Lace Em Up podcast. <laughs>